Welcome to another edition of the Valentine's Views Podcast, Giants fans. Today's show will feature a special guest. We'll have Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan here to uh, break down some of the the NFL draft prospects to react to some of of what's been going on. And in fact, uh, you know, let's let's not mess around. Let's get right to it. Let's bring in Emery right now. Em, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Ed, and I always appreciate you bringing me on. Always, always love to uh, love to have you. Uh, you know, for folks who don't know, Emery's work at Football Game Plan, which you can find, uh, you know, on their website. You can find on YouTube. You can probably find just about anywhere. is is great stuff. And one of the things I love about about Emery's work is. You pay a lot of attention to the small school prospects and 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 football game plan. You know, you don't. It, it's not groupthink. It's it's pure and simple. Your own opinion, and it's different from a lot of what you hear in other places. Yeah, you, you always want to just make sure if you're going to do this, you want to do it your way and and not be influenced by others. Because at the end of the day, if you if you're going to do something on your own, what's the purpose of crowdsourcing or group thinking with everybody else if you're going to be wrong be wrong by yourself and you know and that's one of the biggest things that that i made sure to to follow once i started football game plan back in 2007 i like that if you're going to be wrong be wrong (laughs) or then again if you're going to be right you know you might as well be the only one who's right well i always say i'd rather be right by myself than wrong in a group you know Mm mm-hmm with with that in mind, that's actually a really good place to start. On the last podcast that I did, I had Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. And, you know, Matt is a guy who makes his living studying offensive skill position players, obviously including quarterbacks. Matt came on and I asked him the question of, is there a quarterback who is a value pick for the Giants at number six. Because Dave Gettleman, Pat Shermer, John Mara have all talked about if they pick a quarterback, they want it to be value. They don't want to reach for a guy. And and he said no. Uh, what I also have heard, you know, in reference to the Giants and quarterback is that the pick absolutely will not be Dwayne Haskins. All right. And I know, M, I know you are a Haskins guy. You've been beating that drum ever since we've sat in the press box together for games last uh, last fall. So I'm offering you the floor, you know, for a rebuttal to uh to tell us why you think Haskins would be the right guy at 6. Because he's the top quarterback prospect in this draft and would have been a top quarterback prospect in last year's draft and when you look at what he does extremely well accuracy anticipation the timing is is where it needs to be a lot it's funny to hear a lot of people talk about the weapons that he had at Ohio State all the the receivers but you didn't hear about these receivers last year why because Dwayne Haskins wasn't the quarterback now this year you hear all about the receivers when you talk about a guy that deals with pressure like he does He's the best one to anticipate it coming and throwing where the defense is vacated and get rid of the, getting rid of the football. You talk about another guy that had, what, 50 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's a lot of great decisions he's made with the ball, considering his first year starting. He's so great as a prospect. He forced Urban Meyer to change 
the way he thinks about offense. Because normally, Urban Meyer wants to run the quarterback. He was forced not to do that with Dwayne Haskins. And you talk about fitting him in with the Giants and what the Giants have now surrounded their receiving core with, guys that can catch the ball and do things after the catch. Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Corey Coleman. Uh, you even look at it in Evan Ingram. So you combine their skills with the quarterback that does a great job with his placement and accuracy and allowing these receivers to take advantage of their run-after-the-catch skills. Why wouldn't you want a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins? It's funny because last year people said, oh, the Giants should take the quarterback no matter what. Don't take Barkley. Don't take a running back. This year, it's take everything else but the quarterback. When Haskins is the premier prospect, it's funny because last year you had a guy in Lamar Jackson. Everyone talked about, well, can he play in the pocket? Will he be able to make plays in the pocket? He was the only rookie quarterback to go to the playoffs and also win a uh, division title. And this year with Dwayne Haskins, it's he plays in the pocket too much. So I can't, I can't keep up with people and what they want at the position. All I know is whoever gets Haskins is going to get a superstar at the position that ex- is exactly what guys have wanted at the position since Ben. So I think if the Giants take Haskins, it puts them in line to have success after Eli Manning hangs them up. So so I guess that what I should do, you know, once we finish here is I should uh, email the MP3 of this over to uh, – to uh, 1925 Giants Drive with attention Dave Gettleman on it? Exactly, because, again, <laughs> this is football made easy. I just made it easy for him. <laughs> yeah, what about, you know, in, in your mind, obviously I think you kind of touched on him, the, the criticisms of Haskins that we hear are, one, experience, two, a little bit of mobility, and I think you just mentioned, you know, the the, the Ben Roethlisberger comparison. So go ahead and, and talk to me about those two, you know, criticisms that we hear of, of Haskins. Oh no, I wasn't comparing him to Ben Roethlisberger. I said since Ben, as in since the beginning of the time. So oh okay, we've always talked about that. But I can understand why someone would say Ben Roethlisberger because they do have that same level of, of footwork within the pocket. But to address your points about. Um, some of the criticisms of Haskins, you know, as, as far as the experience is concerned, it's funny how no one had these questions about Mitch Trubisky, who went second overall in a draft that featured the future NFL MVP and Pat Mahomes and a dynamic player in Deshaun Watson. No one had an issue with that. And the reason why I don't have an issue with Haskins one year of starting, even though he played a lot uh, the previous year and played well, um, is the fact that his one year also with Kyler Murray were spectacular. We're talking about a Heisman finalist. We're not talking about a guy that completed, you know, 61% of his passes, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions, you know, something like that. We're talking about a guy that set Big Ten records, records that haven't been broken since Drew Brees was there in 99, and we haven't seen anyone as prolific as Haskins since 2011 when Russell Wilson was there uh, at Wisconsin with 33 touchdowns to four interceptions, 73 percent completion percentage so this is a guy that's been prolific in his one year and that's something that should help mitigate the worries of of the fact that a guy hadn't started four years um if he was just okay and decent in his one year of starting like Trubisky was at North Carolina I can understand the concerns but he was prolific just like Kyler Murray who's played essentially one year as a starter you don't hear those questions about Kyler Murray uh more so than you hear about Dwayne Haskins I, I just find it comical that we're here talking about a guy that fits all of the, the standards that the NFL wants at the position. And now all of a sudden they want guys that could be mobile and create on the fly. When they had a chance to take that guy last year, he lasted till pick 32 
and it ended up being the, the only guy, again, to win a division title as a rookie and lead his team into the playoffs and also the only rookie to have a winning record. So who knows what the league wants? I know for a fact that Dwayne Haskins is a can't-miss prospect. Well, I asked you for a rebuttal, and uh, that most certainly is a very strong rebuttal. And uh, I, I knew I, I knew you'd come through on that one because I, I know how long you've been uh, you've been banging that drum. And and I guess we'll see if you're right or uh, if the Giants wind up being right here because I just don't think in the end that the Giants are going to go that way. So let's let's do this, M. So let's assume the Giants aren't going to go, uh, you know, quarterback at six. Let's assume they're going to go, you know, edge guy, pass rusher, best defensive player available. Um, the way that the draft, the way you might expect the draft to go. I mean, who are the guys that that you think the Giants, you know, should be targeting at that spot if they're going to go defense? I think you have to go front to back. Even though they have a need at corner, if you're sitting there at six and you do the dumb decision of not taking the Wayne Haskins if you sit on the board, then I think you probably should try to attack that defensive line. And if, for whatever reason, Ed Oliver is sitting there, and Ed Oliver is suffering from the same fate as Dwayne Haskins, where last year it was, oh, by far, number one overall pick, Ed Oliver. Don't, just put it in there. Whoever's picking first is going to take Ed Oliver. And then all of a sudden we see throughout the season – his name pop up in the middle part of the first round to the end of the first round. And he doesn't really get talked about anymore as the premier prospect that he is. And so if you're the Giants and you're sitting there at six and Ed Oliver is still on the board, that automatically allows you to pressure the quarterback from your defensive line, which then should help you have better matchups, the linebacker position, and then ultimately as a result, have better play on the corner. So I think if Oliver is there, I wouldn't hesitate to pull a trigger if they don't do the right thing by taking a quarterback. What about the uh, the guys that are, you know, two of the guys that are talked about quite a bit are, you know, Montez Sweat and Rashawn Gary. If it comes to one of those guys, uh, you know, how, how do you feel about those two players? Both are, are really good athletes. So you, it would really have to come down to which guy do you trust the most? Sweat? was phenomenal at Mississippi State, tested well. Um, Gary is the one that's probably a bit polarizing because he is super athletic, was the number one high school recruit, and a lot has been made about his lack of productivity at Michigan. Although, you know, I always tell people you want to stay away from, you know, productivity in some cases because we don't know what a guy was asked to do juxtaposed to what he can do. And when you notice all the guys around Gary having success, your uh, Maurice Hurst, um, the uh, the Chase Winovich, maybe that's because all of the focus was due to the fact that you have a Rashawn Gary up there. And a lot of the questions about Gary, people had about Miles Garrett coming out of Texas A&M. He dominated teams um, in the FCS and non-Power 5 programs. But when it came to SEC – he kind of disappeared and especially in the big games. And so I think you see a lot of the same questions about Rashawn Gary, right, wrong, and different. So while he has the profile that you want, the athletic profile, um, he would be a good, I like to call those guys boss defensive ends because he's a bigger guy. 
at 280, but can also explode off the edge um, and can really balance out your, your defense. So I think if it came down to Sweat or Gary, it all depends on if you have uh, trust in your defensive line coach that he can get the most out of him on a consistent basis or are we going to see the most uh, production out of him as a pro than what we saw in college. All right, and I think you know we could we could talk about this. We could talk about pick by pick. We could talk about position by position. You know, we could probably do this for hours. But in the interests of of uh, trying to keep this as tight as possible, I kind of want to stay with the value discussion. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to to kind of lump the Giants' picks at 17 and 37 together. What I'll do, all right, Giants have 17 and 37. If they don't go Haskins at six, is there value in your mind at quarterback at either 17 or 37, and and who would you target there? I don't think there's value at the position on the back end unless you're willing to go small college ranks. But if that's the case, you have a guy that that's already in your building that you can, you know, continue to work with and groom. He's already got a year in the system and you can continue to develop him that way. So I wouldn't take a quarterback if it's not Haskins or Murray in this particular class, um, because the giants have a, a depth guy already in Kyle Loletta that they can continue to work with. So I would probably go with the best value, which would be on the defensive side of the ball. Now, at 17, you may see um, it depends on what happens in the top five because you know how the draft goes. There's always going to be a, a run on a certain position. So you may see the run on defensive linemen early, which will then push some of the top corners off the board or down the board, I'm sorry. So if you're the Giants at 17, I probably would – I don't want to call it a reach, but I would probably take the best corner before the run on corners start – um, and that right there is a big that solves a big need for the for the position. And then at 37, come back with a value edge guy, which a guy that you, you probably can get along, you know, let's say an outside linebacker or a defensive line. Maybe a Jerry Tillery could be there at the top of round two. They could help out your defensive line or maybe you get an edge guy um, that can really help provide depth and value to your back, your, your uh, second level. So it all depends on which way they decide to go. You could get a guy like L.J. Collier maybe later in the draft. That's another value guy. If Cleveland Farrell falls in, in the top of round two, that's that's a, that's a solid pick there. So there are some other players. Ja'Kai Polite, who I think is going to be a better pro than what being talked about during the pro day circuit and the combine circuit. But it, I would probably go best corner at 17 and best value edge defensive line guy at 37. So that leads us to the question, if you're going best corner, for you, who is that guy? I like Lonnie Johnson. And here's the thing, too. When I grade corners, I break them down to three positions, boundary corner, field corner, and slot corner. So if I'm looking at the Giants right now, um, Janoris Jenkins is one corner. He usually plays the field side. So you want to get like a bigger guy to, to play on the, on the boundary. And I think when you look at Lonnie Johnson, he has that makeup um, at 6'2", 210. That would be an option. I'm a big fan of Rocky Sin, who's another one that can play on the boundary out of Temple at 6 feet 190. Um, and if you're looking for a slot guy, you, could, you have a couple of options. Byron Murphy out of Washington is a really good pick. 
And I think one of the big things in this draft, I know they drafted a guy last year in the in the supplemental draft in Sam Bill. It's interesting to see what they believe Bill is and, and what he's going to be because we don't really know. We saw one – we were out there at practice that one day, and next thing you know, the next day he was on the IR list uh, for a shoulder injury. So we don't, we still don't know what the Giants have in Sam Bill. Grant Haley was able to step up and, and play a solid role as a nickel. But I still think you need those outside corners. And, you know, with the way they've been pushing out veterans, you have to kind of figure Janoris Jenkins would be the next guy on in their crosshair. So I would probably lean toward Lonnie Johnson, Rock Yassin, um, Greedy Williams if he's there at 17. I would probably lean more toward those guys because they not only can match up, but they also do a great job of taking the ball away. And turnovers are huge. If you can score, I want you on my team. If you can take the ball away, I want you on my team. And those three corners, to me, do a great job of doing that. So you you mentioned something interesting. You mentioned Sam Beal, you know, taken as a, as a third-round value in the supplemental draft last year. And I've been asked a couple of times where – you know, what value Beal would have if he was in this current draft class. Dave Gettleman at the Combine said that the Giants believed that he would be a second-round value in this current draft class. I don't really have, you know, opinions from from other, you know, draft analysts to to judge that against. Uh, Do you have a feel, you know, for where, you know, if, if you're ranking corners, you know what sort of a value you would put on on Beal if he was in this class. Bill to me would probably be a, where he went in in the third round because uh, I would view him as a slot corner. Um, so I, I look at some of the top slot corners. You got Byron Murphy. I'm a big fan of Clifton Duck out of Appalachian State. Uh, Jimmy Moreland out of James Madison. And I think you know he's a tick below those guys. So you're talking about uh, you know guys like uh, Hamp Cheevers or Montre Hardage out of Northwestern. I think Bill is around that that area, uh, so I would say he's probably a third round type prospect. And it's funny because he ended up being a third round in the supplemental draft. So I think that's where he would have been. But if you're going to rank him, if you include all of the boundary and slot corners, he's probably like a third or fourth round selection, in my opinion. All right. So one of the great things about your work and about football game plan is the amount of time that you spend, you know, talking to and, and, and going out and, and researching the small school guys. I don't know anybody else who travels to as many of the of the small all-star games and workouts. I don't know anybody else other than an NFL scout who goes to as many of those things as you do. So I I don't even want to know what your travel budget looks like. Let's start there. <laughs> so so we have to talk about day three, and we have to talk about, in terms of day three, we have to talk about a lot of the small school guys. And there are two guys that I want to start with, guys that, that I've been told that the Giants, you know, are – intrigued by Um, and I want to start you know with those guys I want to start with Titus Howard the offensive tackle from Alabama and Jordan Brown cornerback from South Dakota State you know and and what you think of of those two guys you can they help the Giants what's their value you know where might they fit 
you know, in a draft where the Giants have, you know, roughly a gazillion day three draft picks. So, you know, give me give me your take on those two guys. I like Titus Howard, man, and he's a good dude to talk to. I talk with him down at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, when you watch him, you see good level of, of versatility playing left and right tackle. Uh, he's probably going to be a second round pick, to be honest. Um, they, they are, the league is really high on him. Uh, but he would fit in perfectly with what the Giants would want, a guy that can be a swing tackle. You know, you could probably plug him in right away on the right side or groom him to be the eventual starter at left tackle, however you want to do that. Jordan Brown, a uh, good athlete, plays off real well. Um, not the best tackler, but does a good job matching up one-on-one. I thought he was solid at the Senior Bowl also. Um, so those guys, I think, would be real good fits right now for the Giants. I, I love the versatility of both. Um but I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of Howard and his fit with the Giants as opposed to Brown, although Brown's a, a solid player. Is Howard a guy that you could legitimately see coming off the board at 37? Absolutely. And if a team is, if, you know, if you're the Giants and you're thinking that way, you kind of want to – I don't know offhand when the Eagles pick, but I know the Eagles are, are really high on, on Titus Howard, and that would be a, a – prime opportunity to take a guy away from a division rival so yes it's pretty conceivable you could see Howard go that early in in round two and I've heard other people say that they do think he's a sort of plug-and-play starter at right tackle sounds like you uh you agree with that absolutely and you like his upside and his want to to be better uh again this was a guy that was a, a quarterback coming into school then tight end and grew into an offensive lineman and grew into one of the best ones in the SWAC, in the FCS, and more than held his own in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. All right, so let's talk about day three. The Giants have eight selections from rounds four through seven. And, and, you know, let's be honest. I mean, I've been asked, you know, how many of those picks can the Giants actually make? You know, because I don't think you want, in an ideal world, you don't want eight rookies that you drafted from rounds four through seven to be on your roster. So, you know, so the Giants will probably move a couple of those picks maybe to get up into round three and, you know, and, and target somebody, you know, based on how the how the board falls. But let's just talk about some of the day three guys, you maybe at wide receiver, maybe at tight end, you know, maybe – defensive guys corners you know that 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 you really like who do, who you'd kind of like to see wind up with the Giants you know the good part about it, that's a great question because when you're you're on the pro day circuit you see a bunch of these guys right and you, you really see how they could fit a role with the with the Giants and two guys uh, on the defensive side right away Cousin Daniels out of Charleston is a great edge rusher uh, a lot of people talk about his teammate, John Kaminsky, who played at the Senior Bowl. But when you watch Kaminsky on tape, you all always are drawn to Cousin Daniels, who played in the NFLPA game. He, he's another one that really gets after the quarterback, and he's phenomenal with his hands. He would be a nice day three edge rusher that you could bring in um, that's used to playing both with his hand on the ground and with his hand off the ground. Um, and a, a position that no one was talking about, inside linebacker. And there's a guy in Delaware that fits the mold. He could have played in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. He could play now. And that's Troy Reader out of Delaware. And, and the reason why I like Reader, he's 6'3", 245. 
He ran four six. So he passes all the athletic tests, right? But it's his ability on both ends of defense that makes him a, a very good inside linebacker within this defense. He can drop back in coverage really well, has great hands, not average hands, great hands. He never misses an opportunity to, to come away with an interception. Um, great football IQ and coverage. He's able to read uh, concepts really, really well, get himself in, in between uh, the ball and the receiver. So he's able to cut off routes. So great job in pass coverage. Great attacking and run downhill. He was a Penn State guy that transferred to Delaware to play with his brother, who was a phenomenal high school player. I, I actually covered his brother's high school championship game. I did the broadcast there in, in that stadium in Delaware. Um, so his brother transferred from Penn State to Delaware to play alongside his brother, who's a linebacker there as well. So I, I think um, when you look at Troy Reader, he fits the mold of, of an inside backer. He can run. He can cover. He makes plays on the ball. I think he would be a great addition if you if you're looking at uh, wide receiver. If you notice the Giants receivers, they don't have that that big guy, right? And one guy that's an underrated player that that has been making a lot of noise on the pro day circuit and had a phenomenal career as a local product in uh, Reggie White Jr. out of Monmouth, six two two zero eight, ran four five four four five. I'm sorry, and you know he's a guy that you don't think is running fast. But I was at the game two years ago where they played uh, three years ago where they played Coastal Carolina um, and and they hit him with a short pass. It was a four game. So it was two years ago. Short pass. Seventy five yards later, he outraced everybody to the end zone. Um, so he can win short. He can win deep. Uh, he's more of a p- possession guy that also has the ability to break away. Um, and I know the scouts really were impressed with his workouts uh, a couple of weeks ago at, at in Monmouth. So I would say those are some of the guys that. Day three at receiver. One of the positions, I I know I'm jumping all over the place, but running back too. Um, The Giants are quietly in the market for a solid RB2. And what makes an RB2 unique in this offense is that when Saquon Barkley comes off the field to take a breath, you want to have a guy that can really continue to carry on the offense um, and pose a lot of the same threats. And one guy to keep an eye on is 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 Mike Weber out of Ohio State, um, who has great speed, built sort of like uh, Saquon Barkley. You know, you probably have to get him maybe in round four um, or round three, depending on when the run on running backs go. But if you're looking for a day three guy, uh, I probably would keep an eye on Bryce Love out of Stanford. You know, he was a Heisman finalist two years ago, had an ACL injury in December. So you probably can get him in day three. And that'll be a guy you can slowly bring back from injury. And when you get him at 100%, he can run in between the tackles because he did it at Stanford. He catches the football well out of the backfield, so he's a threat in the passing game and gives you a premier option behind your already premier option in Saquon Barkley. Interesting point that uh, that the Giants could you know could be in the market for a running back that you know to to go behind Barkley, and we know that Pat Shermer you know, likes guys who are versatile, who can catch the ball as well as 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 run with the ball. I mean, it makes sense to me, in a way, to go and get, you know, a, a late-round big guy, like uh, I think it's Quadri Ellison from, from Pitt, but I don't see that as a Shermer-type running back. He, he, he likes guys that, that can catch the football. Right, and if you're looking for a a bigger back that can catch the ball on day three, keep an eye on this. Keep an eye for this player 
Uh, I, I wrote about him in January. I was at the College Gridiron Showcase. There were over 140 scouts there. Five giant scouts were there in attendance. This was the first week of January in uh, Fort Worth. So it was the wild card week when the Cowboys played uh, the Seahawks. Um, Xavier Turner out of Tarleton State, you know, D2 Texas program. Great conference, by the way, Long Star Conference. Um, he's built a lot like Ricky Williams, right? He's a 5'10", 233 pounds, and is a downfield threat in the passing game. So he's phenomenal as a running back. So almost 2,000 yards, 20-something touchdowns rushing, a healthy six-something yards of carry. So he's a very productive back in a very tough Division II conference. Um, but he also catches the ball extremely well. And that's a that's a name to keep an eye on. He just had his pro day, so people are enamored with his numbers. Uh, I want to say he ran low four fives. Uh, threw up the the bench press uh, some ridiculous amount of time, but he's a fluid athlete, good runner, but very good receiver that you can get on day three from a small school, a big guy that that can uh, also provide that versatility that that we know that a guy like uh, Sherman loves. You know, Emery, this is why I love talking to you because you you attend all of these things and you've been to all of these games that 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 basically nobody's ever heard of. I don't know. I mean, you. you I don't know how you do it. I do the work so other people don't have to. Well, we like that because I don't like doing the work. <laughs> I'll just I'll just get you on the show and 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 let you tell us about all the work you've done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's why you stay ahead of the curve. So when you when you get to Giants camp and people see you interviewing um the kid out of Bethune-Cookman and Jawel Davis is like, what are you talking to Jawel Davis for? And you're the only one that knows that he's going to make the team. This is why. You know, you do the work so you know what to expect. Inspect what you expect. And that's what we bring here at Football Game Plan. All right. Why don't you, before we let you go, why don't you, uh, you know, tell people, you know, a little bit about the different platforms where they can find your work uh, just in case they aren't familiar. Well, they could follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Follow my work at footballgameplan.com, the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. I do some writing for The Athletic. I also do some writing for Flow Football. You can also see me on CBS Sports HQ doing some some sports line stuff as well. So I'm a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of everywhere. You know, I'm kind of all over the place, but it's all the same content. It's all the same type of information that you can get and one more running back i want to give out there just to while i have it fresh in my head and who's been ripping up the pro day circuit you talk about big backs lehigh 510 230 don brag alone over 4300 yards uh in his career at lehigh four four speed legitimately consistently he did it at temple pro day he did it at villanova pro day um i know he's at giants uh local day i believe or maybe it's eagles local day so don brag alone is another one that the giants probably can get as an undrafted guy or maybe in the sixth or seventh round that has a ton of upside uh, that provides that bang inside for a bigger body with, with explosive speed all right emory we really appreciate your uh, your time and your insight through a whole bunch of names out there that i'm sure most of our audience wasn't familiar with and and that's great as we uh, as we lead up to uh, to the draft so thank you very much and we will talk to you again soon appreciate you ed all right take care 
That's our show for today, Giants fans. We thank Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan for uh, dropping by for his impassioned defense of Dwayne Haskins and for dropping some other draft-related knowledge on us. Also, we thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. And check out Big Blue View on Instagram at big underscore blue underscore view. Check out our Facebook page. Check out bigblueview.com for all of our draft-related coverage and all of the news and discussion of everything Giants-related. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.